Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Blaze and Rise, Wednesday, June 8, 2011, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Tonight on the show, we have actor and composer Rick Crome, as well as folk musician Sam Friend. Here we go. Home of the uh, Invasion of the Home Snatchers, 
and they were talking about the courts that are set up in Florida now just to, to basically speed through those kind of foreclosures because they're all getting kickbacks from the bank. Jeez. Yeah. And what do you make of the um, the fact that Bank of America, uh, Nick, what do you make of the fact Bank of America misspelled this couple's name in their apology email? Well, I I don't think they really cared, and that's why it was just like uh, they didn't even check the spelling. They're like, who cares about these people? And they also didn't really apologize for wrongly foreclosing upon them. They just apologized for paying late, like paying paying them back late. So the Bank of America doesn't care. Um, I'm a Bank of America customer, and I don't like them very much. <laughs> yeah, so am I, and I agree with you. Uh, how about you, Tom Fogarty? Are you a Bank of America member? No, but, you know, it really doesn't much matter. I mean, there's, what, just the three the three big ones anymore, and they're all going to be one pretty soon anyway, so. Yeah, probably. It sort of doesn't okay, matter. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's uh, move on to the next topic. Um, uh, troops who were returning from uh, the war in Afghanistan were uh, charged by Delta uh, an, an extra, like, $3,000 um, on this flight to – uh, for their luggage, and um, that uh, well, what do you what do you think of that, Tom Fogarty? Uh, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that, that's a that's a no brainer. I mean, <laughs> I don't see how anyone at Delta even thought it was possible to make that fly. But then again, you know, we as the government doesn't don't even take care of the troops. So, you know, who's looking out for these poor suckers in the meantime? Right, no brainer. And how about you, Nick? Um. I feel like Delta had some sort of rules in place and that when the system didn't work, the, the employees didn't have the, the thought to go after the supervisors, hey, maybe we should comp their bags. Like, they should. Um, they're just following protocol, but they should really have uh, thought twice and questioned the rule before making themselves look like fools. Right. Exactly. But you, you can't really be uh, angry if they're doing their job, but still they should have asked their supervisors, hey, I think we should comp these bags. That's true. They should, should have used their own good judgment, gone with their instincts. Um, okay, so here's the, the last thing we'll talk about, and this is the talk of this town um, and uh, you know, all across the country right now, unfortunately. Um, the uh, Wiener Gate, Anthony Wiener admitting to these photos being of himself that he uh, tweeted or twatted, however you want to say it. I guess in this case it would be twatted. Um, <laughs> twatted out on Twitter. Uh, what do you uh, think of uh, what do you think of the uh, congressman's apology, Tom Fogarty? Uh, I don't know. That's where he screwed himself, really, and no pun intended. You know, if he had <laughs> just come out at the beginning sure. and said it, it'd have been laughed off and it'd have been been done with. But as we've seen time and time again now, it doesn't really matter what the crime is. If you lie about it, that's what they're going to get you on. You know, whether. Yeah. Crime or not, it doesn't even seem to matter. It's we have this new this new morality in this country that it's like you know if you lie that's worse than whatever it is you might have possibly done. Right. Um, and what about you, Nick? What did you think of the congressman's apology? Um, yeah, I I kind of agree. Like if he's making up stupid stories, I think he's an idiot. Um, first of all, I don't really think he did anything wrong. I mean, everyone's like, oh wait, he maybe should have done that. But you, come on, you never sent a picture to a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, when when Ryan actually contacted me and said, you know, you want to be on the panel tonight, I said, uh, what's it going to be? You have somebody who has a picture that I 
emailed to him or something. <laughs> yeah, we all have those skeletons and the thing is just own up to it. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. it's not hurting anybody. It's between him and Homa. You know, and and God knows she's got the uh, best advice she could possibly be getting traveling around with Hillary. So, yeah, right. Yeah, how about that? The fact that she is uh, directly connected with Hillary, and and I mean, it all kind of comes full circle with this whole lying about affairs business, huh? Yep, karma's a bitch. <laughs> um, well, Tom Fogarty, do you have any idea how this whole Wienergate debacle has made me feel? Uh, I don't know, like a stand-up kind of guy? No, it's made me feel <laughs> a certain way. Well, a certain way, oh, a certain way. I'm trying to feel it a certain way. Cause I just can't take it any other way. And I kind of feel a certain way. Alright, this, especially the apology, has made me feel a certain way. So... Politicians are no longer allowed to cry. We thought John Boehner was bad. Look at Anthony Weiner. Just because Democrats are the party of getting pussy does not mean they need to act like pussies. The bumbling and sobbing of Anthony Weiner at his press conference made him look like a 12-year-old fangirl at a Justin Bieber concert. Um, the worst part about this whole thing, however, is that Anthony Weiner actually made Donald Trump right about something. Panel, thank you so much. No problem. Yep, thanks, Ryan. Later. All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys later. Okay, that was Tom Fogarty and Nick Leota. Thanks, guys, for doing the panel tonight. Um, yeah, what is with these uh, – you know, I feel like if Democrats, if they stood their ground a little more, then they would get elected more, no? Like, look at look – at, well, Anthony Weiner was an example, for instance. Like, he was a guy who wasn't afraid to stand up for things like gay marriage. Weiner, Dennis Kucinich, um But then it just—they just lose their. Uh, something happens when it comes time to get to voting, and then they lose their their uh, a little bit of integrity and compromise their values for, you know, the moderate vote, I guess. So anyway, um, it's. Uh, this whole Wienergate situation is a bit of a mess. Um, I, I don't. I am kind of with Nick in the in the fact that yeah, maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't really do anything that wrong. However, um, why on Twitter? Why would you do something so uh, potentially embarrassing and incriminating in a tweet? Um, and I don't know the direct like. Was it actually in a tweet? that he, he meant to send out as a direct message? Because that really is just the, the click of one wrong button. Like Cosmo, Paul Doslin, when he was talking about it on our show, he actually tweeted out his phone number um, accidentally because he thought it was a direct message. And I always worry that I'm tweeting out uh, my number whenever I'm typing in the, uh, the radio call-in number. So it really is just the, the slip of a hand that can get you into a whole lot of trouble. I mean, it just seems like so many of these congressmen, senators eventually resign when it comes to situations like this. I, I, I mean, I hope that's not the case with Wiener, but it, I mean, I don't know. History says that it might be. However, apparently he didn't violate any uh, ethics laws of Congress, so should be fine. Um, but uh, really, come on. If you're going to be like 
perverted and has some weird tweet twat sex addiction, do it more privately. You know, I mean, it's that stuff is really none of our business. I don't care who he's flirting with. If he has a chick on the side with a crib and a ride, and telling you so many lies, what he's doing is all bad. Even though what he's doing is bad, it's kind of a private matter. You know, it's like the whole thing with Bill Clinton. Look what happened then. As Tom Fogarty said, karma's a bitch. And and look, the same thing's happening with Wiener. And there's such a close correlation between the two. And karma is a bitch, man. Um, Just a reminder that we will be uh, on with Sam Friend in a moment, a musician in New York City, very talented, talented guy. Uh, And a little later... Um, we'll be talking to a guy who's getting great reviews for his uh, the show that he composed called Musical, currently playing in New World Stages, um, Rick Chrome. And uh, just a reminder that uh, Tom Fogarty's show that he has directed is called Hell is Where the Heart Is. Um, it is in the Planet Connection Festival. <clears throat> and it's at the Gene Frankel Theater on Bond Street. Um, which is in New York, and uh, that's one of those streets that I don't, I have no idea where it is because it's a word and not a number. Once you get to streets that have words, I don't know if you're in the in the West Village, in the East Village, Lower East Side, uh, Brooklyn, Queens. I don't know where the hell you are once you have names, and, and they all just jumble together to me. They all sound the same. I don't know where. Bond Street, Bank Street, et cetera, although those two, I think, are probably close to each other. Um but uh, that show that Tom Fogarty is talking about runs four more shows in the next week. So uh, hit it up. Uh, he's a super talented guy. It's a good price. 18 bones to see some solid theater. All right. Um, let's look at what the chat room had to say about the Wiener Gate. Uh, let's see. Mm, really, Christy? Official chat room assistant. I love Reese Witherspoon's quote at the MTV Movie Awards, that it used to be embarrassing to have a sex tape. And when you're taking and sending dirty pictures, don't show your face. Apparently, she should have mentioned not showing another body part. Um, and uh, she says, whatever happened to a good old-fashioned sexting? Uh, I see thanks from Tom Fogarty. Thank you for doing it, sir. I uh, see you in the chat room. And Danny says, these are men we're talking about here. Chrissy, Christy, <laughs> it's all about the other parts for them. Um, so, yes, and Danny also says, never ask directions from Rye. Right. Do not. I have a horrible, horrible sense of direction. Uh, there was a night in Syracuse when my producer, Zach, and I went to see a movie, and I wound up getting us, like, we went 45 minutes out of the way. Um, but we are now joined by our First guest, ladies and gentlemen, we are now joined by Sam Friend. What's up? Hey, Sam. Hey, how you doing, man? Say it again. You're coming hey, in now. Let me, let me make sure we're all we're all clear here. All right, so off to a good start. What's going on, Ryan? <laughs> I'm doing well, sir. How are you tonight? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic this evening. Uh, although it doesn't feel like night yet because it's 8.15 and it's pretty light outside. How about that heat? How about that heat tonight? 
How about the heat? How about the light? Yeah, this is. I feel like we're at high noon right now. Not nearly eight. <laughs> yeah, man. So, okay. So, Sam, you do you think that your name is a little presumptuous? Like, what if what if you don't want to be their friend? Do you have do you have more friends on Facebook than anyone? Yeah, me and uh, me and uh, Tom and Zuckerberg are in a fist fight for it. We're all keeping it out. No, I mean, I think uh, it's a good question, kind of funny. I, I mean, why would you not want to be someone's friend, at least at, fir- at first, you know? It's a good, good starting point, right? You, I mean, as far as just getting the benefit of the doubt, I, I'll take it. I, I won't complain. But, you know, there are certain burdens. You don't want to have to be a martyr and be nice to everyone because that's just uh, that's just inhuman. But we try our best. Yeah, yeah, don't try that. My nice um, <laughs> Okay, so you uh you have this new um album coming out soon, uh called Spirit Mirror. Is there a concept behind the album? Yeah, I mean it kind of it always just kind of happens that I continue to write songs and then I start to record them and somehow a group of songs emerges that seems to be of the same time and of the same thread, and then it becomes, you know, something worth releasing as a bundle. This one, this one, this one, uh, the theme kind of came out halfway through. I just was talking a lot about it, and uh, I think one day at a show I just started talking about Spirit Mirrors, and I had never really even thought of the concepts, but it started to make sense. And then it kind of evolved into a concept where, you know, everything is kind of uh, yourself and, and the and the other side of that and, and the whole concept of, of dual notions and kind of dual existences. And that seems like a interesting place to start, you know, the two, just a parallel or perpendicular kind of experience, you know? Um for a moment, that sounded like the ramblings of a schizophrenic madman. Yeah, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> you, know you just got to throw a lot of clay on the table and then you close your eyes and mess with it for a while and hope, you know, when you open your eyes, something something is uh, cool to look at, and, you know, laying before you and all that. But, uh, no, no simply put, this, this record's about kind of um, – the fight between what you what you think and what and what and what is there and so the whole duality notion of living and growing up and the weirdness of, of all that, you know. Do you think that that's something you you're exceptionally connected with and that's why you wanted to are you aware of that duality more than most people and that's why you wanted to put it into song? I think I've always kind of identified with that concept. I never really understood how anyone could be totally certain about anything. That was always a funny concept to me. And I grew up actually in a family where there was uh, a number of attorneys, and and I think growing up kind of having those kind of conversations where no one was right, it was just kind of a, a factual depiction of, you know, what was happening and, and trying to be unbiased and kind of rationally evaluate things. I think that it just kind of became part of the way I think about stuff. And uh, and so just writing about that, and especially within the context of things that make sense to write about, 
as a song, you know, relationships or experiences or just um, kind of uh, images that stick with you, it, it just seemed like an interesting kind of filter to put all that stuff through. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're in your childhood, the the fact that you had lawyers as relatives arguing, it actually made it so rather than you having an argumentative uh, standpoint most of the time, it, instead you can more easily see, see both sides, it seems. Yeah, I think so. I think that's like a noble goal. I think that's the fairest way to approach anything, you know, especially with all the new information that kind of life presents you and so I wouldn't say it's 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 a point of confusion. It actually feels like clarity when you can kind of admit that, you know, and figure out that you used to know everything and now you know nothing and and kind of start thinking from, from there about, you know, everything you thought to be true and all that, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um it's a good way to look at it. Uh so Sam, how how many people have you tried to influence into eating green eggs and ham? None. I actually, it's so funny because you, I don't even know what that tastes like, right? Everyone has a different opinion about that. And uh, it's a good book, though. I, I really appreciate it. I think he's an absolute genius. Everything he did was pretty amazing. But uh, that he could even say that and people bought it, you know. Uh, but and zero, <laughs> I don't try and influence people with anything anymore. <laughs> Just, uh, but if they want to eat it, they can go ahead, and then I'd be curious to know what it tastes like. So maybe they want to take that plunge before me. I'd be into it. <laughs> right. Sam, did you know there's a comment in the chat room that there was a Muppet show called Sam and Friends? Were you aware of that? Yeah, that was a – That was a, who did that? That was phenomenal as well. If you haven't seen that, you need to check that out. It's uh, That's the one thing I'm sure of. That guy was great. It was uh, Sam and Friends. Kind of with these two little, these two little green puppets who just kind of had these really abstract conversations, almost in the vein of children's kind of Sesame Street teaching people random things, you know, how to think and right. all that. Which is which is really cool. Which is uh, I was really excited when I when I found that. Uh, not to take too much credit for it, but you know, the association is there. Right. Right. Um, so I enjoyed listening to your songs on your MySpace page. I noticed that you were uh, you were going on tour. Do you do you use a tour bus? No, not generally. I I have a van. I have an old busted up uh, Ford Econoline cargo van, which is always a challenge because there's two seats in it. And so I've kind of rigged it in a way where three to four people can comfortably exist back there. But it's definitely not posh. It's definitely just kind of us figuring out the most clever way to get from place to place and keep going, you know, without without with all four tires. <laughs> I think that might be the first time I've heard Posh said in such an American accent. I don't know that I hear that often here. What was that word? What did I say? You gotta you gotta play it back to me. Posh. P O P O S H. Posh. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did spend some time in England. And and uh oh yeah, back when yeah I was uh I did like a year out in England when I was studying uh in in college and and that kind of opened my eyes to to a lot of the stuff of you know continue to approach music in that way because the way the people the culture of music in in London specifically is is very cool 
and, and the way they approach it is just kind of totally committed. So, and and the language yeah. is cool, and it's always cool to use other people's slang because then you sound hip from other countries. When to there, if I said posh, it would just be super normal, maybe even pretentious as an American. But when you say foreign slang within your own country, you generally come off pretty awesome. <laughs> Except when people say cheers here, it sounds kind of pretentious to me. Right, cheers, but kind of cheers hasn't it kind of morphed? When, I feel like when I, when cheers first hit the scene, it was kind of cool because only a few people said it. And yeah. maybe just for me, it was I found the people who were saying it to be pretty cool people. So maybe there was that association. But it's definitely probably at the end of the line for for it. It's not you can't really sign your emails that anymore. It just comes off kind of blah. Um, I always worry about signing my emails that way because what if what if the person I'm emailing what if I don't know him or her very well and that person's an alcoholic and I'm saying cheers encouraging drink encouraging drinking. That's so funny because I see it the other way. I always kind of assume they're going to think I'm an alcoholic when I when I sign <laughs> up. She's like, yeah, I'm writing this email as I'm you know uh, <laughs> just taking back a jack right now. Just kind of <laughs> this is me being serious. Cheers. Speaking of England, uh, Sam, Stones or Beatles? Wow. For me, uh, if I, you know, gun to my head, Beatles, but Stones have a lot of redeeming characteristics. If I'm, like, having a party, if I'm having people over and there's a couple of records there, I'm probably picking the Stones. The Stones are just kind of a more generic good time musically. Uh, but if you're really sitting there with it, I, I would take the Beatles. But that's just me. The Stones are pretty awesome as well. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And cool. That was cool. I mean, that's a cool band. You know, everyone should start to to just mimic them as much as they can. Yeah. As people. Not, you, like, musicians do whatever you want, but you can't argue that they're just pretty cool. Yeah, maybe people shouldn't follow their lead in terms of drug addiction and all that stuff, but Although it has seemed, it, it seems, you know, it hasn't seemed to bite them, right? I mean, Keith Richards, yeah, you're right. he's just, can I say that? He's, 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 you know, playing himself in a huge blockbuster movie, keeping it together, basically as that character. So, if it works, it works. But yeah, you just don't want to hurt anybody, I guess. <laughs> I'm not yeah, condoning okay. it. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying uh, it's worse than that. I was going to say, so you heard here. Do as many drugs as possible, because uh, no. then you'll have a ridiculous longevity in in the music industry. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with no comment on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't do that. Nobody do that. Okay, so uh, Sam, did you do indie folk music? Did you get into indie folk music because you were scared to live a rock star life? Hmm. N- no. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, it's so funny. You can't really choose the kind of music you're into. And there's so many different factors that affect that. I think mostly growing up and obviously your taste changes, but no, it's just what I liked. And as a guitar player, it seemed like an interesting kind of music to explore. It's kind of got this weird, uh, I like the the simple aspects of it. You can do it pretty quickly, pretty, uh, you know, you can get there pretty quickly, but it takes a lifetime to do kind of really well and, and a lifetime of experience to be able to play folk music with any kind of conviction yeah. or with any kind of honesty. So so that, that, that kind of was appealing to me. 
But no, it's just simple. There's no grand answer for that. I just I just like that kind of music, and so I play it. Did you? Who were your uh, folk influences? I mean, were the people like of the that Greenwich Village era, Bob Dylan, and and so on, or are you more influenced by the more modern folk artists? Oh, I was absolutely affected by the, the '60s folk stuff, a lot of New York stuff that uh, I just basically was played as a young kid um, and that stuff, you know, when you're young and people are like, listen to this, this is timeless and great. I mean, I guess I was smart enough to kind of give it a chance and just always made sense to me. Really uh, tasteful, tasteful music that was played on instruments well, uh, coming from like a decent place, felt like it was coming from a good place. And the pretension level wasn't super high, and, uh, especially growing up, you know, being a young kid in the 90s and the early 90s. Uh, it was a nice change of pace to the stuff that was kind of popular at the time. Uh, and then that morphed uh-huh. probably with the grunge stuff, where, where, which I was also really into, the kind of big electric guitars and that whole thing. Those two things together, just kind of uh, trying to bridge that, you know, toe that line a little bit and make something that kind of appeals to both those things. And then they call it, I guess, indie folk is what you're saying. I'm totally cool with that, you know. So you don't, you don't have a problem, <clears throat> problem with labels? Then, with oh, no. Sure, no. I understand why people would, but no way. Why not, you know? It doesn't really necessarily mean anything until you hear whatever the person is doing. There are indie folk digesters that... Uh, that I'm into, and then there's ones that I think are kind of silly, but and it's the same <laughs> in every genre. So I, I try not to have too many, uh, you know, prejudices against whatever people are doing. If it's good, it's good. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So I want to make sure that we um, debut your song. Let me make sure that the audio is working. Uh, okay, that is not. That <laughs> that is. Um, hmm. Uh, okay. Um, you know what? I'm I'm gonna work on on that. Um, but in the meantime, uh, are you? What do you think of uh, What do you think of Bright Eyes, Connor Oberst, and and all that? Do you, do you is that one of the silly ones, or do you like them? Oh, he's amazing. He's an amazing songwriter. I'm gonna take a sip here. Okay, good. <laughs> that one. Yeah, yeah. No, he's phenomenal. He's an. I mean, I followed him for a long time. I hadn't. Uh, no. Uh, I got no beef with, with anything he's done from the beginning. Uh, he's kind of coming in out of fashion, it, it seems like, but I've always respected him as a craftsman, you know? I mm-hmm. think that he does it from a really interesting kind of American experience type place, and I just always seem to relate to it. I mean, especially as you know, a young boy, uh, kind of alone in the room or whatever you're doing. I, I, I dug it. I always, I always found it kind of cool. And um, I like how he's evolved and, and kind of continued to stay relevant, but it never felt forced, you know? It was just kind of a guy writing songs that happened to be good songs. Those are kind of my favorite artists, the guys who just come off like they were just going to do that anyway, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and I agree with you on that. Uh, so, okay, so uh, I I do have someone working on the – we'll try to get the, uh, the audio up. Um, what – uh, how many groupies, Sam, would you sleep with at one time? If you're going to go the groupie route, you might as well go big. 
but <laughs> probably a bad idea. This is my, if, uh, if I'm being candid. Yeah. So like it's a disadvantage. You don't have a person at that point. Uh, yeah, twelve. I would say twelve. It's a nice even number. Because then everyone, you you know, you're still part of the party, but you you don't have to feel like you have to carry the whole weight, all that. So twelve. I'm gonna go twelve. <laughs> okay, okay. But if it were eleven, then it's all on you. Yeah, I mean, you know, ten could feel like more than eleven. I mean, I guess it depends on. Has to be the right twelve. Is that like an apostle reference? I'm not even. I'm not up, to, up on that, but I don't know something. Thirteen is also a good number. Thirteen's are really. I feel like the number thirteen's making a comeback. I really do. I feel like in ten, fifteen years, thirteen's going to be a lucky number, like it should be. But we'll see. Yeah. I feel like Jim Carrey said that a few years ago, and it didn't work out. Yeah. It's a great number. Uh, I don't. And I mean, I guess it's probably biblical in some sense, but I, I like it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what, what's your favorite song on your MySpace page? Oh, that page? Oh, I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I think that, my, what are, what songs are even up there? I'm going to launch a brand new website actually this week that I've been working on for quite a while with this, uh, great designer out here in New York and, and I'm really excited about it. And, and so that's going to come out this week and both the records in their entirety are available to stream there and, I think there's still free downloads out there, but that's that's gonna. I just put up this thing, and that'll probably change in, in the next week or so. There'll still be super kind of accessible. I want as many people to hear as possible, so that's gonna happen. But I don't know. I, I don't have a favorite song, to be honest. I, I generally the favorite song of mine is the one that was most recently written. To be to be perfectly honest, because I'm always kind of shocked that I can that I can do it. To, very mysterious process, and so whenever I write something new and put it out there, I'm always kind of excited about that thing until until the next thing comes along. Right. Um, so did, so I, did, did I avoid that long? Did I avoid that long? I I did. You, you did it well. Since you since you did, uh, what's how about your what's your least favorite song on the on the page? Oh, they're all my babies. I don't have any. I love them all the same. Oh, what a what a sweet answer. Um, Usually people will be like, I'm not going to answer that. Uh, so, uh, Sam, I feel like Jay-Z heavily influences your style. Would you agree with this? Jay-Z? Yeah. Jay-Z, the hip-hopper. Yeah. Yes, Jay-Z, sir. Jay-Z is, is phenomenal. Absolute genius of the times, and we're lucky to have him. But I wouldn't say musically. I, although his drummer, what was his drummer? His drummer, that he was using for a while... Who is that child prodigy? You know that guy? He was phenomenal. He does this amazing Tony. There's this amazing. People should check out this YouTube thing of this 11 year old kid doing Tony Williams, this great jazz drummer, kind of uh, an homage to Tony Williams. And and Jay picked up that guy, which I thought was really cool to, you know, play in his band. And uh, I think Jay Z just kind of gets it, you know? He gets it. He really makes sense in this time and this place. I think, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't quote him as a direct influence musically. Maybe in my <laughs> business, when I, when I put on a suit and tie and go buy an NBA franchise or something, I think that he <laughs> he, he leads the way pretty well in that in that arena. You're gonna do that again? You're uh? Do you use uh? Would you ever use Auto Tune? 
I try not to. I really don't. I really don't. I've worked with people who um, convince me to go in and just tighten things up, and it might help kind of the layman take to the music faster, but I never really do. I never end up allowing it if I have any say in it. And I'm, I don't, I think, you know, I think it's a really interesting that everyone kind of loves that auto-tune thing in certain genres and they take to it and just really kind of, I'm not such a fan. I think it's, it's interesting to know how that, how that happens and how easy it is to do and, and, uh, that, that it, that it's, considered passable. I, I'm not a fan of it. I, I, I like things that kind of just, you know, I went to music school, so I'm kind of a nerd for it and all that. I, I really try and stay away from that kind of stuff, to be honest. Cool. Um, you, you know, in the in the chat room when we were talking about the, uh, the groupies, um, Danny says, I'm assuming he has an unending supply of antibiotics. And Chrissy said yes, and a very understanding doctor. Uh, are either of these things true? Well, antibiotics are probably the greatest invention of the last hundred years, right? I mean, come on, can you imagine yeah, life? Probably. Antibiotics? What an incredible, what an incredible invention! It'll take your pink eye away in half a day. You know, what an awesome thing! But no, I have. It's been a little while. Because then you can say cheers in the end of your emails. You can drink and and so who needs antibiotics? Just let the body do what it's going to do. But not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, I um I like your song "Our March" a lot. Why March? I think it started probably from a place of the fact that those two words sound very similar. Our March. I mean, if you put an M in front of "our," you got "ma," right? And if you got put a C at the end of it, you have something like "March." So, kind of fascinated with different ways to rhyme words and a lot of and, and kind of pairing words that that are similar but kind of mean different things and seeing what what kind of things you can come out of that. And so it probably started there and then it was also at a time when I was getting in more into kind of that infusing a lot of the music that I was doing, which is kind of rock based with that two step thing. There was I was in Miami at the time and there was a really interesting kind of what has been dubbed tropical folk thing happening. And, mm-hmm. and so everyone's just kind of doing that and, and, or jazz folk or something like that. And, and, and so I liked the idea of the two words that, that sounded super similar and that they just kind of belong together and then trying to craft a song that represented the, you know, something just that, that a march would connote musically, you know? It's more of a phonetic thing about the the lettering and the wording than than anything else. Oh, big time. Phonetics are big. Yeah, that's my bag, man. I love that stuff. I love the way that words sound and the way that words can sound when you put them together, when you speak them, sing them, write them. I just think that words are this really interesting thing that we've kind of made that we can kind of play around with if we choose to. And they, you know, it's a big deal that we speak these words all day and it's supposed to kind of uh, mean what we're trying to communicate. I think that's pretty cool and I like to have fun with it because I guess I'm kind of a smart Alex. And that (laughs) phonetic thing um, just seems like a good way to occupy 
you know, my 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 approach to to writing music and to writing lyrics. Sure. Um, okay. So speaking of your music and lyrics, um, let's uh, try. We want to exclusively debut a new song of yours here. Um, let me just make sure we have it. Uh, Jonathan, are you there? Yep. Hey, so uh, we got the, the audio going? Yeah, we're good. Okay, so Sam, do you want to set up this uh, this song? Oh, wow, you're going to you got it. That's awesome. So this is a song that we actually finished today, and this is going to be up on the next record whenever that comes out, and so this is kind of in the first small group of songs that, that, are, that are done for this record, which is pretty exciting because it's, it's been a little while, and so now we finally get to kind of show them to people and this would be the first time that the song is heard, period, because it was done a couple hours ago, uh, at, you know, finalized in, in Greenpoint, actually. And, and it's a song called Fine, Fine Light, and it's, uh, it's a song. I, I actually, as far as songs go, I really, really like this song. And, and uh, again, the phonetic thing, right? Fine, Fine Light, there you go. Uh, and, uh, and it's going to be, you know, it's been a staple of, of what I've been kind of playing last, the last few months, and so I'm really excited to get this version out there. And it's with uh, my band that I was playing with and touring with for about uh, six to eight months, and so it was a we had this really great bond. And and I'm in New York, and they're actually in Miami now, so I miss these guys. So this is this is a great way to kind of um, keep keep them around, you know. So it's a song called Fine Fine Light, and it's uh, it's going to be up in the next couple of weeks. There's going to be some of it's going to be out there, and and I uh, hope you're all you know your listeners are into it. Holler. All right, J.D., break us off.
No, the, the Monday show, it, it's really cool. A lot of these clubs in, in New York, I really like the way that they kind of approach it. It's uh, it's a free it's a free cover, I, so there's no cover at the door. It is a 21-plus show, and there's, I think, just like a one-drink minimum, and then they ask you to put a couple bucks in a bucket for the acts, and, and so it's just kind of like whatever you can – Whatever you can give, it, it's whatever, that's all good. We're just trying to get people out there and kind of share the whole night with, you know. So. Cool, man. All right, awesome. Thanks so much, Sam. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good, Ryan. Thanks again. Okay, take care. All right, and um, the we are now joined by the composer of the musical musical. It is Rick Chrome. That's a heck of a crowd you got in your little studio. I know. How about that? They all showed up for you, sir. Oh, then I owe them money because I don't know who would come. How are you? I, I'm okay. Uh, sweltering. How about you? You sweltering? Sweltering. Uh, sweltering. sweltering. A little bit. Go inside where there's air conditioning. There's, I am inside with no air conditioning, unfortunately. Hollywood um, prison? Is this a prison talk show on on the on the web? <laughs> I mean, the Geneva Conventions. Yeah, prisoners of war have better conditions than I live in. I'll tell you that. Well, eh, at least it's in New York. True, the greatest city <laughs> in the world. Let's talk talk about you, sir. So you um <clears throat> you have this new musical at New World Stages musical. Um, oh, you decide- no, it's not at New World Stages. Oh it's dear! At, no, it's at, it's at theater. It's at the Kirk Theater on Theater in Forty Second Street, and the in the uh, Theater Row building in that complex, which is very nice. Yes, yes, I'm right. so sorry. Um, okay, so yes, at the Theater Row complex, Kirk. So, uh, what what made you decide to write this uh, uh, this musical? Oh, well, uh, this particular thing, they came to me and they said, "Look, we want to produce musical again, and we'll give you some money if we do it." Cause I, <laughs> so that was the motivating factor this time. But uh, you know, musical is a um, the musical. Uh, this particular edition is called Full Spin Ahead. It's uh, songs and sketches in a review format uh, about famous people, things in the news, and current trends. And it's the kind of thing that I've been writing for many years. Um, and uh, uh, I wrote at. Uh, a place called the Crystal Palace in Aspen for many years, Aspen, Colorado, uh, the same format. And then I had, I've had several versions of musical over the years, uh, starting in, in uh, 2004. So this is the latest uh, edition. And I think what motivates me to, to write it is, uh, well, it's nice when they come and say we want to produce it. But, uh, but uh, uh, even mm-hmm. if they didn't, you know, there's just so much going on uh, in the news on those three levels that just lend themselves to song. And, and the comedy sketches, and um, you know you'll see a lot of this kind of thing on Saturday Night Live and, and the Daily Show, but we're doing it in kind of a, an older format, which is actual structured songs, almost like a musical comedy of the news, if you will. So uh, each piece is self-contained. You know, we'll have mm-hmm. our Sarah Palin piece, and we'll have our Arnold Schwarzenegger piece, and we'll have our piece on ex- Toyotas exploding. And uh, we just put one in about the royal wedding where the prince uh, is summoned to uh, Queen Elizabeth's uh, 
drawing room where she she tells him that young women, young princesses now have urges that uh, he has to satisfy because he's clueless. He talks about bending her over the throne and ramming her one for England, that kind of thing, you know. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's bending her over the throne and ramming her. I'm one for England and one's for your family pride. Grandpapa is a bedroom bore. His ship hasn't sailed since the Falkland War, so keep your princess satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So, uh, well, that that sounds like a hoot. And you're also doing, you're working on a new Bonnie and Clyde musical. What's this project? So, uh, now, the Bonnie and Clyde project is um, something I've been writing with Hunter Foster, who's... Um, who I did Urinton with on Broadway um, ten years ago, and we've we've actually been working on it for ten years, um, and it's had various uh, inca- incarnations. We wrote it at uh, we were on uh, the Nymph Festival in 2008, New York Musical Theater Festival. For those of you who don't know what a Nymph is, and uh, and we went for most promising new musical, and I won for best music. It was a little, but it's not about the awards. Our take on the on the Bonnie and Clyde story. This is called Bonnie and Clyde, a folk tale. And it's kind of based around the premise of these people who get together every year and tell the story of Bonnie and Clyde the way like they like to remember it. Uh, and ours is, uh, which gives us a lot of room, literary device speaking, to uh, stretch the truth. And uh, we decided we would make it into a uh, musical comedy. <laughs> because, uh, well, it has a lot of heart. But, you know, the real Bonnie and Clyde, they just did bad things, ran from the law. They did bad things, they ran from the law. They did bad things, they ran from the law. And then they got killed. Kind of a stagnant story. Uh-huh. So right. we also uh, had a lot of fun talking about how the public seems to celebrate the infamous and the negative. And we also draw the parallels between then and today. That way, uh, I uh, draw your attention to, like, Kim Kardashian. And uh, anybody who breaks the law, we we, we kind of like. Anybody who breaks the law, either morally or legally. And it's pretty right. fun. And, and um, uh, we have uh, some things uh, that are uh, coming up for it, which I can't really mention now because they're not solid. Uh, but okay. uh, we may be on the boards with that uh, show this coming year or the year after. So... Fingers crossed. Great. We'll definitely have to uh, keep in the loop about that. Uh, you mentioned Urinetown. Have you have you been to the real Urinetown? Is that now a bar on the Lower East Side? <laughs> because <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I just I think I just read about that in Time Out. Uh, Piss parties. Yeah, you know I'm into a lot of things, but that I'm not really into. The, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I read. I read yeah, it does look good. I read it said we'll give you three bottles of water and condoms at a piss party. This was and where did you hear about it? Was this on the internet? Was this a Craigslist party? No, it was in Time Out. It was in Time Out New York. Oh, Time Out New York. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Well, I uh well, you know, only only the best uh, events get publicized in that particular uh, publication. Uh, you know, and then when I, and then when I went, the water wasn't actually free. No. 
Okay, so that's how they get you. Oh, sure, you can pee on anybody you want, but the water's not free. Well, you know, <laughs> what kind of party is that? Um, okay. okay. What happens if you go to so, one of those parties, right, and somebody wants to pee, pee on you, and you're, like, and you're like, all right, go ahead. But they say, turn away because I'm pee shot. It's like, hey, you want to you wanna pee on me, but I can't look? Yeah, no, no, it makes me nervous when you look. We're both naked in a bathtub. It makes you nervous when I... Anyway, I'm just, I'm just ripping here. I, I didn't go to that part. Um, well, uh, moving on. Here in town, of course, um, was a Broadway show uh, written by Mark Curtis and... and Greg Holman, who ran for uh, three years on Broadway, uh, mm-hmm. and it's uh, urine town is uh, it's a fictitious place where they take people who break the water table laws. It's quite a brilliant show, uh, and I'm going to be doing as an actor. I'm going to be doing the prequel to musical to musical. I'm sorry, to urine town um, at the Fringe Festival this year uh, called uh, Yeast Nation. How about oh, that? Huh. All right. It's not, it's not about an infection. It's uh, it's about uh, little yeasts on the bottom of the floor at the, at the dawn of time who want to evolve into higher uh, beings. You know, they want to okay. evolve, but but there's of course a hierarchy that wants to keep them right where they are, and and a political oh. struggle ensues. Maybe it's a little it bit abstracted. <laughs> what? It's a hierarchy amongst the yeast, or there at the bottom yes. of the, it's a hierarchy. Oh. There's a hierarchy, the political structure in everything, in everything. <laughs> you know, there's always people in charge who don't want you to get higher up than they are, and for their own self-preservation, they don't let you grow. You know, it's, it's kind of like having an internet radio show. You know, <laughs> it's like the guy with the computer saying, "Hey, wait a minute, you can host the show now, but it's my computer." You're like saying, but I want to go to broadcast. No. No, you can't. All my Google rubbing it will dry up. And then it becomes this big thing. Right. I don't well, know. Does that uh, happen to you? Well, oh, all the time, every day, 24-7. <laughs> While we're talking about your um, your musicals, I want to make sure we break the listeners off with uh, a song. Um, it's the opening number from musicals. Do you want to uh, uh, set, go ahead and set this track up? Well, it's, uh, it's the... Um, Opening number uh, where they kind of come up and tell you about uh, what we're going to see tonight, uh, about the stories. Um, I think it's, it's fairly self-explanatory, so uh, uh, let her rip. All right. Uh, th- this is 12 Little Months, and we'll be right back with Rick Chrome. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we proudly present Musical. A year in the news, you might choose to pick up a pistol. Oil in the Gulf, WikiLeaks, Sarah Palin's Bristol. Add Jersey Shore to the mix, and it's clear as crystal. Twelve little months makes you crazy. There are bed bugs galore. Lock your door, or they're sure to crawl in energy drinks. They put oodles.
bottles of alcohol in Plus, your Toyota won't stop. And it happens all in 12 little months. 12 months go by and just look how low we've sunk. When airport security can punch your junk. When Bush gets millions for a phony memoir. When somehow Kim Kardashian's considered a star. President Obama has signed off on allowing gays to serve openly in the military. Advocates say with the law comes justice, and finally an opportunity to redecorate Afghanistan. Working harder for less through the stress, we are told to rough it. Each month your health care goes up, still it's not enough. It then comes to pass, they want tax breaks for Warren Buffett all in 12 months. Of a United Airlines passenger today, United immediately charged her for a carry-on pet. Within a singular year, we were asked to care that Oprah is finally going off the air. The bailout of banks now looks more like a heist. The team that people think Obama's the Antichrist. In a publicity stunt on New Year's Eve, Jersey Shore star Snooki was placed in a ball and lowered over Seaside Heights, New Jersey. It is hoped that for Puerto Rican Pride Day, she will be stuffed into a piñata and beaten to death. Then fuck the lore, lock your door, or they're sure to crawl in energy drinks. They put food, alcohol, and fuck your Toyota won't stop. And it happens only 12 by felonious gossip when you see what we do you may try to escape the venue we think you'll bring when the insults are all through as tonight we present Tell me, how mad were you 
How mad were you, Rick Crum, when they outlawed dancing in the 80s? Which I can only assume is true since they wrote it in Footloose. Oh, in Footloose? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, was, I was horrified, to tell you the truth. Outlawing that. No, I think that it's based on a true story. Footloose, you're talking about the Broadway musical that I mean. Yeah. Uh, the movie, of course, was before the Broadway musical, and but it's the same authors who, who wrote it as a, as a Broadway show. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess that was uh, uh, really a place in Texas called Beaumont, Beaumont, Texas, where they actually did that. They outlawed it. So it just goes to show you, you know, our right-wingers today are just as fervent and crazy as they were back then. So, you know. <laughs> Do you think that dancing is going to be outlawed under... Uh, God forbid a, a, a Palin administration would something like that happen. Well, I don't think she can make a national law, but I think she'll she'll try to influence it. I think she'll. I I think Sarah Palin will mostly want to uh, put an end to uh, free thought because it threatens her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh come on, that was funny. Um, yeah, no, I, I. But it's true. Is the scary part. Well, I think she wants to obviously. She she wants to stop teaching American history because <laughs> because uh, uh, she's not good at it and she you know she wants to now most Americans don't don't know history and you know you can get away with just making something up and they go oh okay if Sarah said it it's true you know but but most people do know that Paul Revere did not warn the British right. My uh, my conservative my conservative friend did tweet the other day about uh, Palin. He says that she, just as Paul Revere warned uh, warned us, uh, Sarah Palin is is warning us about herself. And she's warning us about what? About herself, like that. That was oh, oh I see, I see. Yeah, she's warning us about her. Yeah, she has a joke that. That, uh, I mean, uh, there's a joke that we do in the show where the guy talks about John. He's doing a John McCain impression, and he's, uh, he's, he says, you know, when I, I'm not going to tell you how old I was, but when I was in school, we didn't have history. We just called it now. So <laughs> <laughs> we have right, some wonderful – by, by the way, let me take a moment to tell you about our cast in musical because I'm blessed to have the uh, forbidden Broadway cast, essentially. I have Christine Petty. Uh, and I have Michael West and Christina Bianco, and I have a wonderful uh, guy named John Walton West, and uh, then a couple of wonderful understudies, Amy Griffin and Tommy Walker. And uh, the impressions in this show, the voices that they do in the scenes are just astounding. So uh, if you're into that kind of thing, you know, in addition to the topical humor, you know, it's a very entertaining show. Um, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. Who's this? Well, sorry. <laughs> well, I, I do have to ask you since we were talking about it. Have you ever cut loose, foot loose, kicked off your Sunday shoes? Uh, yes. Although in the county I was in, they called it sodomy. <laughs> so, so I was trying. I was trying to tell them that I was dancing, and they, they, they thought it was sodomy. I, I. <laughs> oh dear. Uh-huh. Ah, 
No, actually, you're talking about about the. Uh, yeah, I was in the show Footloose. I was the understudy for all the male, uh, all the all the male, all of the adult men in the show: the cop, the coach, the reverend, the high school principal, and the cop, the coach, the principal, and somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and the uncle, one of the uncles, and uh, uh, yeah, I I would cut loose frequently. All all week I'd be on to somebody as an adult, and I, they cut loose as much as they did. That sounds like quite a daunting task. Was that was that uh, really stressful to play all those to to have to you know at the drop of a of a dime play a different character every day? Uh yeah. You know, I I originally thought that when I got the job, I thought I didn't even know if I could do this because I'm so ADD, you know, uh, and uh, uh, but. Uh, what I learned that the trick to do was to memorize the whole show. Yeah. And if I memorized the whole show, then uh, I didn't have to have to worry about not knowing what was next. I, I knew the whole show. So, so the memorize, memorization thing was difficult. And probably the, the, uh, the most difficult thing is when you are doing a show uh, is when you get off stage and you have to change your costume, go to another part of the stage and do something else. Maybe you've got to bring out a prop or a chair. You've got responsibilities in, in addition to doing your acting role. And it's all of those logistics that I, I could never get straight. You know, because they right. changed with each character I was doing. You know, the lines and the choreography and the songs, that you can memorize for each one. But, you know, where do I put this prop when I'm done with this? That I could never remember. So. <laughs> Did you ever leave something on stage and it wound up tripping someone or something like that? Oh, thank God I never tripped anybody. I, I, I did trip myself several times. <laughs> did you really? Did you I, I, re- I remember there was one time uh, in uh, Footloose, it's uh, towards the beginning of the show, when uh, it, the scene takes place in the church, and we're in a choir, I'm playing one of the uncles, and I, I'm in a choir robe with a, with a bunch of people in this choir, uh, lost, whatever they call that thing that the choir stands in. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. but the thing is that it moves. It would move on through a mechanical device, and it would bring it on stage. And then we all got off of it, and it would it would move off by itself. And one of the things I had to do was re- remove my robe and my jacket as I was, or my robe as I was getting off of that thing, and it was moving. And one night in particular, uh, my robe got caught on something. <laughs> Of the moving device, and it it, uh-huh. it dragged it dragged my robe off, and uh, and I finally had to get rid of my jacket too, so that I didn't get dragged into the wings. <laughs> and uh, the thing is that this all happened while I was supposed to be having lines with another character. Oh my god! <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I, I maintained my cool, and I, you know, but of course, when something like that happens after, say, you know, Footloose ran for two years on Broadway, you know, so after about three, four hundred performances, anything that goes a little differently will crack up the other actors on stage, and right. it was it was a delightful experience because people could hardly breathe; they were laughing so hard. The audience didn't <laughs> really know what was going on. They went, "Oh, that man lost mm-hmm. his jacket," you know. That's all. The, but the audience, they were they were pissing themselves. Did you um, did you eventually manage to to how did you get out of there how did you get your jacket on attached? Well, the jacket was gone. <laughs> and the was gone. The, at that point in the scene, 
you think, well, I've got to, to keep the show going, I've got to say my lines. Yeah. And this is, you know, I didn't need my jacket in particular. Uh, you know, uh, so I just went on with the scene. Everybody laughed, and we, we played the scene up to the time when uh, the kids were supposed to come back out, and we left the stage. You know, and then, uh, and then of course, had a lot of uh, laughter and, and horrifying embarrassment after that. But, <laughs> you know, but that kind of thing happens. Hey, that's why we call it yeah. live theater. The beauty of live theater. Uh, Rick, we're going to play a game we always play on the show. It's called Hot or Hot Mess, where I give you a list of things. You tell me if they're hot or a hot mess. Are you ready? All right, but keep in, keep in mind that I'm old and may not have heard of any of these things, so go ahead. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's open it up. Oh, who's a mess? Someone get you. Oh, love the mess, love the mess, love the mess. Please, love the mess, love the mess, love the mess. Okay. First up, I'm Hot or Hot Mess, Spider-Man the Musical, Hot or Hot Mess. Hot Mess. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Um, you got Peter Parker, you got the girlfriend, you got the villain. Here's what should happen. Mm-hmm. He defeats the villain, kisses the girl, sings the song, and we're done. I don't know what the shit it is with all of these the arachnids and these people from Greek mythology. Anyway. <laughs> we actually learned, we had arachne on the show last week, and we learned that there was an actual character named arachne in the comic book. The thing is that this new character just has nothing to do with that character. Oh, Julie Taymor turned Spider-Man into a chick film. Case closed. <laughs> um, right, the way that you described it just now, how could you screw it up? But then again, they did screw up Spider-Man 3 pretty royally. <laughs> oh, the movie, you mean? Yeah, the movie. Oh, well. Oh, well. You know, how about... Please. Go ahead. Uh, how about the new show, The Voice, Hot or Hot Mess? Uh, you know, I've not watched the entire episodes, but from what I see, I think it's pretty hot. Because okay. it's, uh, I certainly like the fact that, that, you know, they're actually pointing at uh, the phenomenon that it really your voice should be the most uh, important thing, and, and people are just influenced by style and looks. So, yeah. I'm, I'm all for the ugly girl singing. <laughs> Um, how about Wiener's twit pick of his wiener, hot or hot mess? Uh, you mean hot is a good or a bad thing? Uh, uh, I mean, obviously it's a hot mess. But I gotta However say, you interpret it. But I gotta say, as, as far as penis pictures go, that's a that's a pretty hot cock. So. <laughs> The man is. Do you see the picture of his chest? Yeah, yeah. Holy moly! The guy is cut like a like a statue. So. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, think for Congress, it's it's kind of a hot mess, you know. For Saturday night, put him on the list. <laughs> how about um, how about any night Shyamalan doing anything? Hot or hot mess? Oh, uh, not hot. I don't know if it's a hot mess, but he's just not that good. Okay. I mean, okay, he got lucky with the first thing. 
Yeah, you got to like this sort of thing. It's the same thing. It's like, hey, let me let me be abstract for the for the hell of it. Like, All right. How about? Sorry, I'm a linear thinker. I have no idea what you're doing. Get your symbolism out of here, Fellini. Right. <laughs> How about the Friday song by Rebecca Black, Hot or Hot Mess? <laughs> a delightful hot mess. It is so <laughs> fucking funny. That is the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. How, the funniest part is the rap verse that is completely random and it's um, unnecessary. Well, what I love about that that song is she's got such decisions. You know, I'm 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 getting on the bus or I'm I'm about to sit in the car. Where do I sit? Do I sit here? Do I sit there? This is a whole verse. Where do I sit? Where do I sit? <laughs> it's like it's a it's a car. Just get in. We got places to go. Where do I sit in the front and the back? Do we have to hit the head to the head? Oh, <laughs> just goes to show you when a girl with a botsmith has too much money. <laughs> and it's probably never meant to be an actual song. It was just someone noticed that she was confused one day and thought they could market it. And there you go. It, it wasn't her it her father or her mother. Oh, is it, it like a stage parent who's producing the I whole thing? Yet. Oh, my that God. It, it's a terrible botsmith that gone bad. My darling <laughs> is going to sing a song on the internet. It's going to be a huge sensation. <laughs> sing for All me, right. my princess. Sing for me. What is it? Sorry? Sorry? I'm here. What is it? Oh. What did I say? <laughs> okay. Um, this next part of Hot or Hot Mess, I'm going to play you a couple audio clips from our show. You tell me if they're hot or hot mess. Uh, we talked about Sarah Palin a great deal tonight. This is from... Les Mis, uh, Havilland Stillwell, Sarah Palin impression. But there's a YouTube video um, that was originally aired on autostraddle.com, um, and it was edited by Reese, who's the editor-in-chief over there. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, um, we have all kinds of things, all kinds of things going on with Sarah Palin. Uh, hot or hot mess? Well, that's, that's a great impression, but... Uh, this was on your show? Yeah. Oh, then it's hot. It's the hottest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, next up on Hot or Hot Mess, this is Rap Pioneer Biz Marquee beatboxing on our show. <laughs> plus an asthma condition. <laughs> you didn't like it? I, it, it uh, I, I, listen, I like the sounds of cars starting, but that was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, uh, next up uh, on Hot Hot well, you, you, you said that to me like, like, oh, man, you just defended the Pope. Well, the man, the man makes rap sounds with his mouth. Oh, I wouldn't mind if you offended the Pope with, you know, letting all those priests molest all those. That's that's okay. Offending. I don't think that's in the doctrine, but I. You know, I, I but uh, <laughs> um, okay, you know, and next up, this is from uh, uh, Christmas Carol on Broadway. Jonathan Demar's Rip Torn impression. And after that, he sort of says, he says, "Somebody owes me a martini," and the whole <laughs> table cracks up. He's like, "Somebody owes me a martini." Hot or hot mess? It sounds hot, but what is it? Who is it? Rip, uh, Jonathan DeMar doing Rip Torn. 
Oh, okay. Rip Torn, huh? Yeah, Rip Torn. Yeah, I like that. I think that's hot. Great. Um, you know, uh, see if you can uh, see if you can guess who this is, and then tell me if it's hot or a hot mess. He did three encores of Sweet Caroline. I was unreal. Really, he did three, three, what? Three encores of the same uh, song? Uh, oh yeah, in a row because people can't get enough. And then you've got a stadium full of people all screaming, "So good, so good, so good!" Did you uh, recognize the voice? Um, is a comedian? Um, somewhat of a comedian. I think you may have worked with him on the big Broadway. Hmm. Oh, is that Ben Cameron? Yes, very good. <laughs> very good. And uh, was that, was his hot description... He's a hot mess, but his description was absolutely correct. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. And last up on Hotter Hot Mess, speaking of Ben Cameron, he has a podcast as well called The Broken Leg. Jonathan Damar and I went over and, and did their podcast. This is some of the insanity that ensued. You listen if you can tolerate it, and you tell me at the end if it's hot or a hot mess. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, Domino's, ordering Domino's, that's my worst time. Peeing in the shower is the worst time. Peeing in the shower. Oh, you have the number on it. 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 Mine is right around the corner. Hot or a hot mess? Oh my God! Were you, did you guys have your clothes on at that point? <laughs> um, Selena that may sounds, have taken a, an article off. That that sounds like one fun party. So I'm going to say it's hot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess that's a good I'm way to look at it. I'm going to say that I would have enjoyed that. I mean, it was. It's really hot in kind of a wrong. It's it's hot in kind of a that was so wrong. It's so wrong. It's right kind of way. Uh, well, speaking of being so wrong, it's right. If you, Rick Chrome, could cover any rock song, what would it be? Um, Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Really? That's that's your <laughs> that's your song. Sugar You are my candy girl. No. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's before your time. <laughs> no, a I'm rock good. song. Um, well, mm-hmm. is there another one? I, I'm going to have to pass on that one. Okay, um, you're you know you've you've been very um, active in the musical theater world. What was your favorite musical to be in? Um, I would say. Well, I would say it was you're in town. It, it it was the most uh, prestigious and had it had a, a lot for me to do in it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that was a favorite one for me to be in. I've enjoyed many of them. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so you're uh, you're in town number one. Cool. Yeah. Um, um, I enjoyed doing you know, the off Broadway revival of Merrily We Roll Along in 1993 at the York Theater. Uh, 
because I was working with Sondheim, and it was very it was very classy. A lot of classy people. I don't know what, why I was in the cast, but uh, <laughs> but it was nice to run on those circles for for a couple of months. Yeah, definitely. What was it like working with Sondheim? Well, it was it was refreshing in the sense that you imagine that Sondheim would be a very hoity-toity, pretentious person. But he's exactly the opposite of that. He he was as down to earth uh, as as anybody. You know, the uh, the musical director had more attitude than Sondheim did. You know, so, oh really? Uh, Sondheim was just, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a weird lyric. It's my fault, but uh, just emphasize the T here if you can. You know, you know just very self-deprecating, and and uh, uh, I, I thought it was great. You know, when you start working with these people as human beings, the the novelty of the fact that they're a star then it wears off very quickly. After the first week, you're like, oh, I'm working with Steve, you know. <laughs> uh, when I did The Goodbye Girl on Broadway, it was my first Broadway show. It was Neil Simon and Marvin Hamlish and Martin Short and Bernadette Peterson, and it was, uh, and I was in the ensemble of that, but I, I covered a lot of roles, so I was in a lot of understudy rehearsals. And... Uh, uh, you know, just sitting around and talking to Neil Simon and calling him Neil. You know, and while you're doing it, you're thinking, this is so weird that I'm talking to somebody just like a guy, you know. And that, yeah. and after the show, he's going to forget who I am. I know that. But uh, while you're working with them, it, it really just becomes a one-on-one human experience very quickly. Yeah. Um so, I'm talking to you. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Right, right. Yes, you should be. You should feel honored. Um, I am. You, I uh, do. <laughs> do you, no, it's the pleasure. The honor is mine, sir. Do, do you, Rick? Do you? What do you? How do you feel about the Justin Bieber craze? Oh, I've seen it before. It's just the. It's just the the young boy, skinny popper thing. It's, you know. Go back. We had, uh, you know, in in my day, you know, we had Donny Osmond, and we had young Michael Jackson before he became, uh, you know, teenage, really uh, hot Michael Jackson. Uh, and you had, uh, you know, uh, who was before him? Who was the the boy before him? Uh, was it that those uh, the blonde boys, the uh, the whole family? Nelson? No, not the Nelsons. Uh, well, there was the Nelson, but no, this, no, um, it was in the last five years. They did a reality show about them. Oh, I can't remember the names. But, you know, just anything in, do they still make Tiger Beat magazine? Yeah, I think they do. I think. Well, I masturbate to it frequently when I have it, but I mean, I think those are old comics. But, um, <laughs> So I think you're fine with the hopper. Oh, teeny bopper. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's yeah, you know, that's it's just part of business. They invent somebody and they say, here you go. Just something to get the uh, the nine to thirteen year old market girl market something to sell to. Yeah, definitely. I think he's a so, you know, I, I think he's a talented kid. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, it would be worse if he wasn't talented. 
Mm-hmm. Then I would just be dismissive of it. I'm really interested to see where he'll go once he, you know, he grows up and his balls drop, to see if he's gonna, you know, then be able to parlay that into some sort of um, a real career, right? Other than a pop career, I don't know. I don't, well, I don't I mean, resent it. I just like, eh, all right, yeah, who's next? I mean, maybe he'll be able to parlay it into still into a, an adult pop career like Justin Timberlake's done. Maybe he could do that. And Justin Timberlake turns out to be a massively talented guy. Very talented. Yeah. A, good a, a, a great actor. Really, he's a great actor. Very funny. Great comic timing. And he's a fantastic musician and singer. So... And he's easy on the eyes. So what's what's not to hate? I mean, what's yeah. not to love? <laughs> All four of the Justins in my book. Uh, so last question. Uh, if you, Rick Rome, were a Kardashian, which one would you be and why? I'm proud to tell you uh, I've never watched that show. I'm not even sure who they are. I've only really seen the parodies of them. And I don't feel like I'm a lesser person for it. Uh, but I would say that I would have to be Kim because that's the one I know. <laughs> Is she the slutty one? That's the one Is you Kim heard. the slutty one? Who's the slutty one? Um, I don't know. She's one of the slutty ones. Yeah, yeah, she is because she's the one with the I'm sex the sluttiest Kardashian. Whatever that is, I'm the sluttiest Kardashian. <laughs> How about that? Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, the show is musical, the musical. Um, you can get tickets at the box office at Theater Row or online at Telecharge. And uh, it's been a real pleasure, Rick. Anything you want to say before we go? No, just thank you very much. They can also go to the uh, TKTS booth. Uh, we're always there, and uh, we run every night but Thursday. And, uh, okay. and that's it. And thank you very much for having me. No doubt. It was a pleasure. You're hilarious. Thank you so much for doing it. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye. All right. That was Rick Chrome. Uh, Remember, Blazer Eye listeners, we have got our anniversary show coming up at the Midtown Theater. Uh, Come out. Check us out on Facebook for all the information. I have 10 seconds left, so I'm just going to leave you with that. It's going to be at the Midtown Theater, Hot Comedy Club, 8 p.m., Monday, June 20th. No, 9 p.m., 9 p.m., we will see you there. Tickets available uh, on the Facebook. It will show you an email address to uh, email for tickets. Come out. Come on, come all. It will be a blast. We have an incredible roster of, of talent. Thank you so much for listening. If it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. And lastly, somebody owes me a martini. <laughs> <laughs>